Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. Celebrating this anniversary of this ministry in this church that's a whole lot older than 15 years. I mean, this church is like a hundred and something years old. But 15 years ago, we said, you know what, let's, let's see if we can offer something a little bit different. And um, I shared with you last week, for those of you that were here, um, what I did in the spring of 2002, I went before the leadership of our church, we call it the church council, and I presented to them the research I'd done and the planning we'd done and the prayers and everything, demographics, all that good stuff, and I said, I really think there's an opportunity for us to reach people in a new, innovative, creative way, and, and I presented the seven reasons that we would do that, and, and last week I gave you three of those seven, and so today I'm going to give you the other four of those seven and share with you kind of this overarching question, because listen, if you've been doing something for over a century Um, and you want to start doing something new, it's probably a good reason to answer the question is why. And so the overarching question as as I was presenting it to the leadership in 02 was why do we need a new worship experience at Valdosta First? Because we've been doing it for like 100 something years, so why? And I presented seven reasons that I think we should do that. I want to give you a quick recap of, of last week, the three I shared, but I encourage you to go back and you can listen to our podcast, or if you want to see my beautiful face again and hear my lovely voice, you can go on Facebook and see that there as well. Um, but here are the three that I uh, mentioned last week, real quick. So the overarching question, why? Why do we want to do this new worship experience? And the first one I said last week was, because we believe that there is only one way to God, one, no other way. What's the answer to that one way to God? What's that one way to God? Okay, that's a little bit better. Jesus, the only way, no other way. Nothing else, no one else, nothing else. There's only one way to God, but there are many, many ways to share that truth. Many ways to share that. Jesus is the only way to God, non-negotiable. But the way in which we can do that is vast, and we knew that, and we wanted to we wanted to experiment with that. We wanted to be creative with that. We wanted to be innovative with that. So there's only one way to God, but there's many ways to share him. Another thing I shared uh, last week was that we believe that people far from God matter to God, and therefore they should matter to us. And you might go, well, duh. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. Sometimes people far from God don't matter to us. Actually, sometimes people far from God freak us out a little bit. Sometimes people far from God make us feel kind of icky. Sometimes people far from God make us want to judge them. People far from God matter to God. And so they should matter to the people who call themselves followers of Jesus. Uh, Matthew 18, 11 says this, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, that's the answer that you so overwhelmingly gave with such excitement a minute ago. The Son of Man came to save what was lost. He, this is what he came to do. He came so that we might have life. He came to bridge the gap between us and God. We were separated because of sin, and he came to bridge that gap. We believe that people far from God matter to God, and therefore they should matter to us. And a lot of us have experienced this truth through followers of Jesus, we have been in, in relationship with them, we've known them, we've gotten to know them, and because of their faith in God, they led us to Christ. 
We came to a knowledge and understanding of faith in God because of them. So lost people should matter to us. Last week I shared with you, this was the third one I shared last week, kind of piggybacks on the one I just said. And it's this, that we believe that God wants to touch people, he wants to reach people right where they are, not where we think they need to be. Again, you kind of go, well, yeah, of course God's gonna reach people. But again, see, as the church, as Christians, sometimes we're like, well, you know, if they would just, you know, clean up their language and, and their body, you know, and, and if they would just start doing this and if they would stop doing these things, then I will engage them and talk to them about Jesus. And I might even, after a while, if they're really kind of cleaned up and not too embarrassing, I might invite them to come to worship with me, to a small group with me, to lunch with me. I might look them in the eye. See, but we believe that God wants to touch people right where they are, not where we think they need to be. And so we want to be people that are saying, you know what, and listen, important, I talked about this. Again, go back and listen to it if you missed it last week. God wants to reach us where we are, as far away from him as we might be, but he doesn't want us to stay there. And it's so important. He doesn't want us to stay there. He loves us too much for us to stay there. He's done too much for us to stay there. So he'll reach us wherever you are, but he wants to bring you out of that place of sin, out of that place of darkness, out of that place of regret, out of that place of pain and disillusionment with what's going on in your world. He wants to bring us out of that. And only Jesus can do that. So those are the three that I shared last week. Here's, here's the next four. Remember the overarching question. Why should we start a new worship experience? I mean, come on. Well, here's one reason. Because we believe that the young adult audience is vitally important to the kingdom and we, are not gonna, we, we just won't neglect to meet them in the context of the culture they live in. Now, actually, you could take out the word young adult and just say that we believe that the audience is vitally important to the kingdom. The listening audience is vitally important to the kingdom. And we're not going to neglect to meet you in the context of the culture you live in. So we're not going to talk about things that don't make sense. I'm going to get into more of that in a minute. But we purposely did put young adult in there. Whenever I was doing the research and looking at the demographics and all that, with Moody Air Force Base in Valdosta, with Valdosta State University here, um, our demographic for people in the 18 to 30, 35 age range is actually pretty high compared to most other cities our size. But what we found in looking at churches in Lowndes County is that, is that no one was really, in 2002, no one was really impacting that group of people. No, no church was really reaching that group of people in a way that, besides like maybe a, a you know, a a college and career Sunday school class, or something, which is nothing wrong with that. I shouldn't have said it was such sarcasm. But um, what I meant is no one was really offering a place to come and be a part of the body of Christ in a really impactful way. And we said, you know what? Okay, so we've been doing this thing for a century or something, uh, but we even looked at our own demographics and saw how we were, we were kind of missing this group. And so we said, let's take this worship service and let's make sure we're considering, shooting for, planning However you want to use whatever word you want to use there, we're going to consider the 18 to 30-something age range as we structure this service, as we build it. And in the first five years of, of the Solomon's Porch Ministry, you definitely saw that target audience, no doubt about it. We were known in the community and even in our own church. People would go, well, I might come down to the fellowship hall to that youth service. Or I might go down to sometimes a college service. 
which is fine. I mean, because you look in there and that's, you saw tons of that. We had, we had people uh, that were going to their church for Sunday school that weren't, and coming here for the worship experience. Um, so you saw that at first. I had people, I wish I could, if I had a dollar for every time someone came up to me in the early days of Solomon's Porch and said, I sure would like to come to that service, but I think I'm too old. You know, and I'm like five years older than them, and I'm like, hmm. And I would say, well, we don't check IDs at the door, so that's good. You don't have to, you know, pay the bouncer, you know, like, hey, let me in. Um, come on in. Anyway, um, so come on in. So here's the thing, though, and this is what's been beautiful, I think, in, in this journey is that as the leadership, we had a leadership base that was pretty young. I was in my mid-30s, and, and, uh, which I consider to be young. Those of you who think that's old, you just don't know anything yet. Um, and then we had a lot of people in their 20s. And, um, and as we started to, originally in my notes I put get older, but then I changed it to mature because it sounds better. Uh, as we started to mature, as we started to get life experience, as we started to grow and, you know, people were getting married and having babies and we just kind of were walking this thing out, a beautiful thing occurred. And that is, is, is when you would look out, like I am right now, you see a completely just amazing demo in this room, demographic. Um, what we started to see is that two generations, sometimes even three generations of people we're coming and worshiping, and here's, this is what I love, and I know it's kind of a pat on my own back, but I'm telling you, it was a great encouragement to me, is when I would hear, when, hear someone say, our entire family got it. We knew what you were talking about today. We got it. We, we talked about it at lunch. We've been talking about it all week. Kid got it. I got it. Granny got it. It was great. And that's, I mean, that's a great thing. And then you find, like, in worship, okay, you go, oh, wow, that was, you know, we just found, more and more and more I've seen that. And I think a beautiful, healthy example of the body of Christ is when you see multiple generations of people able to worship together. And so I, I love how that has changed. Will we always consider and be thinking about a, a group of people who are not really being reached? Of course. I think church and even our community and how church is kind of structured and offered has changed a lot in 15 years. Um, but we're always going to, you know, the, the young adult audience is a totally underserved uh, group of people in the church, and we can do better than, in the, than we are doing now. I think we're doing really well. I think we could do even better. We'll talk about excellence in a minute, though. Um, so we're not age exclusive. Come on, have fun. No IDs checked at the door. Uh, here's another question. Oh, I want to share this one note I had here because I think it's important. We aren't the true body of Christ unless all the age groups are represented and nurtured in their faith and given opportunity to serve and grow. That's the church. That's the body of Christ. We should all be nurtured and all given opportunities to serve and grow wherever you find yourself in the, in the age, whatever age range you're in. We want to be able to do that and offer that to people. So, uh, overall question, why? Why would we do this? Why are we continuing to do this? Because we believe that relevant teaching is critically important. Relevant teaching is critically important. Uh, the teachings, and you know, you hear us say this every summer when we do our Summer at the Movies series. We talk about the parables of Jesus and how he told stories. And he used stories to make spiritual points, to make people go, oh, okay, I get it. You're talking about this, but you really meant this. You know, he used stories. Well, what you found is that, 
you know, if you look, I encourage you, if you've got a red letter Bible, you know, the ones that shows what Jesus was saying, go back and look at what he said, but then also look at who he was talking to. So, all right, you see who Jesus, what he said, but look at his audience, because he was not always talking to the same people. Sometimes it was religious leaders, sometimes it was government leaders, sometimes it was his own disciples, sometimes it was a massive crowd of people. So he was always, the audience was not always the same. But if you look and see who he was talking to, you'll see that he talked to the people in a way they would get it. When he talked to religious leaders, he, talk, he used religious law. He used the law that they knew. They knew, because it's the only thing they knew. They didn't study anything else. I mean, they were learned, learned, smart, smart, and they knew the law. He talked to them that way. When he was talking to uh, the common people, you know, he talked about farming and how to manage your money and, and those kinds of things. He was intentional about the people he was talking to that they got it. And we want to do that too. We want to make sure that, that, we're, that whoever's up here, me or whomever's up here, is speaking in a way so that you can go home after church and go, I got that. I, that can, I, and if, if we walk out of here going, now I know there's times when I say something that just doesn't make sense and it's not because it was intelligent, it was because it was just ridiculous. Um, but if we're always walking away from church going, I, don't, I didn't get that, what was that about? I don't even, I've never heard that word before. You know, I have, do, do you have an encyclopedia with you? And we need to look this up. Like, what is that? We're not talking to the, I need to be able to converse with you like you would converse with me. So we believe that relevant teaching is critically important so that people get it. We don't want to lose that. And there's no better example of how to share the good news of Jesus than to look at how Jesus would share the good news. He spoke to his audience. So why do we need a new kind of worship experience at Valdosta First? Because we believe that excellence honors God and inspires people. Now, uh, if I could rewrite this one, but I wanted to give you the one that we actually gave in 2002. If I could rewrite this one, and I probably will, um, it'll, I, I wanted to say this, because we believe the pursuit of excellence honors God and inspires people. Because let's just be honest, excellence isn't gonna happen. Is it gonna happen in your life? No. Is it gonna happen uh, tomorrow at work? Nope. School, anyone, excellence? Well, I have a 4.5. Well, if you have a 4.5, you're not, you're not content with that. You're wanting a 4.6. Let's just be honest. You know you can do better. Um, so that's just, because that's just how you are. Excellence is out of reach, okay? I love this, um, this thing that John Wesley gave us. See, that's how, that's how good I am with words, this thing, that, this idea that John Wesley gave us. And he says this, that we should always be moving on towards perfection. Notice he didn't say we should get there or we're going to attain it. Um, he would actually say, I think there's a chance. But listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be moving on towards perfection, and that's the day I see Jesus. Okay? But in the meantime, we believe that excellence honors God. The pursuit of excellence honors God. Will the pursuit of excellence honor God tomorrow at work? Yes or no? People are asleep, Lord. Would you help them? I pray right now they'd wake up, Lord Jesus. Would the pursuit of excellence help you guys in class tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Would the pursuit of excellence help you in your relationships? <laughs> in your marriages? Yeah. Parenting? Pursuit of excellence? The, not the, notice I didn't say the expectation of excellence from somebody else, and you can just go, hey, whatever. The pursuit of excellence, it honors God. And we would say that's the same thing in worship. So we're not gonna spend like 19 hours debating on the color of the carpet in this worship space. 
But you're gonna find that we're gonna put a lot of time, and sometimes, and even people on our own leadership will say, why are you asking me to do that? Isn't this okay? Well, no, let's get here. But we're probably our own biggest critics. I mean, if something ever sounds wonky on the speaker, I trust you that Josh Harrell is immediately going, oh my goodness, what can I do? How can I fix that? I don't want that to happen again. Before anyone, any of y'all can crank your neck around and look back there and see if he's awake or not, I promise you he's already on it. Okay? So this is the thing. I shared this at 930. I might as well share it with you guys. Excellence honors God and inspires people. So when I went into the women's restroom and there was no toilet paper in the stall that you all know we all like to use because it's the bigger one. Amen. There was no toilet paper in there. So I had to go looking around for a roll of toilet paper and it's not the kind of, it's got, you know, it's got the giant, you know, the ones that are like this big. And I was like, you know what? Excellence inspires God. Because do, do we want the pursuit of excellence in our restrooms? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So we want to be working on that. And so I, I, I've spent way too much time on that one. But listen, <laughs> Hebrews 12.2 says this about Jesus. And this is why I talk about excellence and the pursuit of excellence. It describes who Jesus is about our faith. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. So for those of you that are giving yourself a hard time because you don't have the Bible memorized yet, or because you've been, you know, if you've been really kind of beating yourself up, let me just say that Jesus is the author and perfecter. Let Jesus get in there. If you've been frustrated that you haven't been able to achieve this or do that or get there or whatever it is, have you invited Jesus into this? Because he's the author of it. He's written it. He's the perfecter of it. Your faith in God is, is about Jesus. Your faith is about Jesus. Let him be part of this journey, okay? So we want to pursue excellence because Jesus is the one that brings about perfection in our life. And we just want to be people that honor God with what we do. Okay. Why do we need this new kind of worship experience? Because we believe that a casual and a welcoming atmosphere is essential. When we started this ministry, uh, one of the things we kept saying, besides like our, our seven like, you know, core beliefs of why we're doing it, was this, that we want to reach people who are unchurched and ex-churched. A lot, of, a lot of places use the word de-churched now, but at the time, we said unchurched and ex-churched. We want to reach people who, for whatever reason, they were engaged in church, maybe they went as a kid or whatever, but they haven't been in a while. We want to be a place where they feel like they can come back into the body of Christ and be nurtured and grown in their faith. And so this is what we were thinking about. And when we thought about that, it wasn't so much about young adult audience and what's a college kid want to wear. It was... For the people that have not been in church for a while, have you ever gone to, oh, I don't know if I should do this question, but I'm going, have you ever gone to a church or been invited to a church and the first thing you want to know is, what do they wear? What's the dress code there? Are ankles allowed to be seen? Right? Gentlemen, is short sleeves okay? Or are you going to have to like do some like kneeling prayers afterwards because that's a sin? Like, what you want to know is it okay? Are, are, do toes cause people to stumble? Should I wear toes, you know, closed toed shoes? Like, we want to know. I remember as a, as before I became a believer, right before, my friend was inviting me to church and I was like, um, well, what, you know, I had two hang ups for not wanting to go. Number one was 11 o'clock in the morning was entirely too early to get up and go to church. It's just what it was. 
The second thing is, is I, I don't know if you've noticed this about me, but I'm really not like a fashionista. I don't know if you've picked up on that or not. Um, and so I was like, I don't, I'm sure I don't have what I need to wear to come, come to this church. I, ju- I just know it. And those were my two hang-ups. So even after I kind of made peace with the 11 a.m. thing, I still wasn't sure about that. I, it was a hang-up for me. And I, and I know you've talked to people before. You've invited people before. You've talked, you know, you've been in this place where you're like, I don't know what I'm going to wear. Here's the deal about the casual, casual and welcoming atmosphere. Um, we want people to, be, to come into the worship place and it not be about what you're wearing. It just not be. So if you came in here today and you're looking good, I mean, like you even ironed it. That's awesome, and, you, and, and that's great, and don't feel any kind of, people are looking around now, who did that, you know? But, but you, it's, it's wonderful. If you came in here dressed up and feeling good, that's wonderful, great. But if you came in here wearing jeans and a t-shirt and Birkenstocks, you should be okay with that too. And not feel like weird about it. Because here's, here's the thing. The last thing that should be on your mind on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, some of you actually try and figure out what you're going to wear on Saturday night, so I had to include you. And Sunday morning, the very last thing, before you come to worship God, because that's what you're coming to do, you're not coming to be seen, you're not coming to see, you're coming to worship God with other people. The last thing that should be on your mind is what do I wear? Will it be okay? So we want people to be able to come into worship and just worship and it not be about anything else. It not be about that. So wear what you're going to wear. I said cover the important parts and come to worship. And just come and be in the presence of God and come and worship. That's really what it should be about. And we think that's important because nobody, nobody should walk in these doors, any of our doors of any of our services, and feel as if they are not enough. We want to honor God with that. Okay, so that was seven. I I thought I was on six, but that's actually seven. This is who we are. This is what I presented in 02 to our leadership. It's still true today in in 2017, 15 years later. Um, I want to share with you a passage of scripture out of Galatians chapter 5. It was, um, you know, as I was working on this message, you know, I realized last week and today it's kind of a little bit different because we're kind of going through here seven things and some of them have little scripture references and others don't. And, and you didn't just come to hear about this worship service today because this is not what this is about. This is all about Jesus. This is all about Jesus. Everything I said is pointless without Christ. Everything is without merit unless Jesus is at the center of it. Why even talk about honoring God if, without Jesus? Why do we talk about being people who, of worship and, and caring for others and meeting them where they are? And, and Why would we talk about this without Jesus? It's about him. Um, and so I want to share with you this passage out of Galatians chapter 5. And, and it says this, because this is what it's about. I was, I was, as I was thinking about preparing this, I thought, you know, I'm just kind of hitting like little tidbits of scripture. And I was reading earlier this week, and as I read this, I thought, this is, this is the body of Christ. This is who we are. This is our purpose as individual followers of Jesus. 
It's also our purpose as, as um, Christians. So here we go, reading from the message, it says this, Galatians 5, starting in verse 22. But what happens when we live God's way? Because see, this is the whole point of us being here today, right? Living God's way, not, not my way, not your way, God's way. He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. Whoa. Will you start looking at people different if you realize that that holiness is permeating everything? We find ourselves, this is because, what's the question that was asked at the beginning? What happens when we live God's way? This is answering that question. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Folks, there's a good message for Monday morning. Marshal and direct your energies wisely tomorrow as people of God. Verse 25, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads. See, we do that sometimes. Well, I heard those things that Shannon said or that pastor said or whatever, and they sound, you know, that's a good idea. No, no, don't just hold it in your head, and it says this. Um, or don't hold it as just a sentiment in our hearts. That was so touching. That story, it just was so, no, got to be more than that. But work out its implications in every detail of our lives. Take it in. Let it become who you are. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. And here it is. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original This is what happens when we live God's way. The whole thing that we presented to the leadership in 2002 was we just want to continue to live out God working in our lives and we want to be creative and innovative in it and we want to make a difference in our community. And I feel as if we have been mostly faithful to that, you know, pursuing excellence. And we want to continue to do that for 15, 30, however many more years that God wants us to do that. We want to be faithful to this. Sticking to our commitments. Last week I asked a question as I closed uh, about people who say, you know what, this is, because I tell you, this is who we are, this is who we are. Uh, And maybe you've been coming for a while and you say, you know, I want a partner in ministry in this place, in membership. And and we welcomed in, I almost forgot, but we welcomed in four people at the 930 service, the La Montaigne family. Um, No relation to Ray, I was kind of disappointed in that. Um, That's a music joke, so anyway. we're welcoming in four more people next Sun, uh, September 10th after Labor Day. I'm excited about that. Today I have the great honor and privilege after this service of baptizing Miss Alexis Reeves. Um, and we're gonna do that by immersion out in front of Jesus, the Jesus statue on Valley Street in our prayer garden, prayer garden right after this service and her her big family is here today to celebrate that with her, and we're so excited for her. Hello, Alexis. Oh, hang on. Was that not you who said that? Well, we're excited to do that. So I asked this question again, as I did last week. If you're, if you're ready to partner with us in ministry, and if you're ready to be a part of Valosta First, or if you've never been baptized and you want to participate in that sacrament, make that declaration, 
We would love to do that. Put that on your connection card today, please. I might forget if you come and tell me. So I, I put it on the connection card, and I'll follow up with you later this week. We want to know how we can uh, nurture you in your faith and walk alongside of you. But here's the most important question. Would you pray with me? And then you'll hear the question. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your, in your presence today, doing, doing your, um, oh dear, I don't want to say I'm doing your work, um, but maybe that's what I'm doing. Lord, we humbly say that we want to be used by you today. Thank you for the leaders in our church, those that lead in worship and do behind the scenes and do what they do. God, um, we've been talking, you know what we've been talking about, and really, as I said, it's all about you. It's all about you. Apart from you, we're just spinning our wheels. We're wasting time. We're wasting air. We're wasting energy. It's about you. God, you have made a way for us to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. We can actually be people that when we hear the word perfection, we're not freaked out about it because we know that you, Jesus, are, are the author and perfecter of our faith. By our trust in you and our dependence on you, we can actually move towards you. Our lives can actually be better because we're moving towards you. That means we can, we can start to forgive sins that have been committed against us. We can start to uh, ask for forgiveness where we have, we have hurt others and, and, and sinned against you. That we can, we can give our, our frailties and our faults to you and say, Lord, please take these. We can ask you to strengthen us where we have been so weak and have failed. You, Jesus, are what it's all about. Your name is the only name. And God, today as we in a little while celebrate Alexis making that declaration in her life, God, as we celebrate people partnering in, in ministry by joining, God, the biggest question, the best question is for those who have just come up to that line and say, okay, I've been listening, I've been hearing this, but have, have yet to give themselves to you. And so, Lord, I just pray for any that are here this morning that haven't yet stepped over the line and said yes to you, that today would be that day. They don't have to have it all figured out. They do not have to have it all figured out. They just need to say yes to you and allow you to start working in their lives, to allow you to be the one that forgives their sins by the, by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then we want to be the church family that walks alongside of them and helps them grow in this incredible new life. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldasa.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.